Bruce Newberry. The food dude. Ted Carusis, how are you? Here we are. We've made it through what used to be called summer. Well, I know. Isn't that funny? Crazy. Um, it, it's been a, a crazy summer for sure. Um, rain rain um, is usually what helps a lot of restaurants. In this case, the lack of rain has helped a lot of restaurants. For my friends in Newport, because they get to see people outside and they're at 50 capacity, 50% capacity inside. So consequently they're doing okay I, I spoke to a lot of places they're kind of similar i mean they're not gangbusters but they're as good as they were last summer maybe slightly off versus not 50 percent off which is great it is great and that's what i'm hearing also and and we have some st- some statistics from the industry to bear us out open table has actually been doing a, a good job of doing apples to apples and yeah. comparing restaurants that are open were open and comparing to what they were doing a year ago and some are up as much as 40 percent over a year ago yeah, uh, it's funny. Well, you know, now they've had to find other channels to distribute, right? Yes. So it's a lot of to-go business, yeah. a lot of online ordering and and pick up and, and, and phone orders in. So that's all good. I think the average consumer um, is really grateful that restaurants are open and they can kind of break up their monotony. Well, that's I the thing. That's the thing. The customer, I believe our customers and our guests want us to be open in any way that we can get open. Right. Uh, I right. really believe that. And, and they, they missed us and they missed you. And they, they want us to be open any way that, that we can. And right. uh, the demand is right there. Right. And, and, you know, it's funny though, right? We get this, we are open. A lot of places are. And because of that, um, you know, I, I, several times I talk about, you know, stay within your bubble. In other words, if you're a regular at a certain restaurant, wherever that may be, I'd love to, for you to say it's blue plate, but let's say it's not. It doesn't matter. Wherever you're a regular, you should continue to stick, hang out there and support that place. I'll tell you why. Because there's a familiarity that is formed. You know their protocols. You know you watch if they're clean. You see if their staff is turning or not. Meaning, is there a lot of new staff? Is there a lot of older staff? Uh, all those things are important because um, it's only a matter of time before there'll be outbreaks again, even though we try very hard. And um, knowing your bubble and knowing where you're going is so important for people to get comfortable with. Um, and, and, and so, like, if I go to a place and I don't see my normal staff there, uh, you know, three or four times in a row, then I kind of wonder, hey, what's going on here? Boy, that's a good you know, point. Uh, unfortunately, that's kind of how you have to think. And, uh, you know, we work in pods. So if one of us gets sick, we all kind of segregate. And then the second wave comes in, the second crew comes in. And that's how we've tried to structure it for ourselves. It's worked so far. We haven't had any issues, knock on wood. But, uh, you know, every restaurant's got its protocol. So, you know, if you're familiar with it, that means you're comfortable with it. Uh, and so that'll lull you into um, a, a sense of safety. Now, that's a dual-edged sword, obviously, the sense of safety. Because sometimes you, you, you might let your guard down and you still have to be ever vigilant, unfortunately. It's on you and your responsibility to take care of yourself and others that are in your bubble. So, uh, you know, I don't want to preach, but, you know, if, if, you, if something's working for you, stick it out and hang in there. I think that's I the think best that's advice. I think that's the best advice, you. and I don't think that's preaching at all. I think that if you're... 
if you're coming from a position of, look, this has worked and I'm, I've made it through, then that's, a, that's words. Those are words that are worth hearing and worth saying. And yes. we need to hear them. Right. Right. I think that's important. You know, I had and I had someone. It's interesting because I think I think things have changed dramatically just and I'm talking about pandemic type things, the way that we're dealing with this thing. They've changed in the past month. They've changed in the past two months or three months. We're not in the depths. We know about things like bubbles and we know how to stay with the with the same people, as you point out. And so with that, we're actually in, in a better spot. Yeah. Well, education is always the best thing, right? And then, you know, but you can't be ignorant to others who are not as educated or having difficulty. True. Uh, I, had, I had heard of a friend um, that tried to get, you know, educated guy, lives in the, you know, has some means, had an enormous amount of difficulty getting a same-day test. Yes. Um, and, and, you know, here he is. He says to me, here I am. I have means and wherewithal. And I couldn't get it. How do you expect someone that doesn't have that is in the restaurant industry who doesn't have access to transportation, yes. doesn't have time or the ability to take time off? So it's a very dangerous place to play with. So which brings to, 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 to the following factor. Um, you know, a lot of people don't realize the restaurant, you know, we're not as um, it's not as glorious as being a, a doctor or a nurse or, you know, a paramedic on the front lines, right? I mean, I say glorious, meaning the type of work they do, meaning making a real difference. But as restaurant people, we take risks every day just to give some sense of normalcy to people. And, you know, we come in contact with three, four, seven hundred people. You know, you tell me the number. It depends on the restaurant, right? Three, four hundred people a day. Right. And we, we take risks if we go and take, you know, go home to our family or go, you know, visit someone or, or, or a loved one. And I think people fail to realize that because of such familiarity that they fail to realize that a lot of these restaurant people are taking big risk. And I'm not saying tip them more. That's not my point. Nope. My point is a little bit of understanding goes a long way when, uh, you know, when your favorite meal, you're out of your, you go to your favorite restaurant, they're out of something because they're having supply chain issues or just because they're short staffed because someone called in sick, they have to take care of a family member or their kid is now, you know, going to be in school and they're having difficulty with distance learning. I mean, there's a million and one reasons that a place might not be its normal self. And I think, um, a little bit of understanding and then that to your question we had talked about positivity how can you stay positive during these circumstances i think the big issue is to put yourself in someone else's shoes um and yes. understand and understand that everybody's got a story everybody had something that may or may not have happened before they came into work or they got to deal with something of pertinence when they leave work just have a little compassion and say, is what I'm doing right now critical? Is having that meatloaf that critical? If it is, then I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> right. It's kind of on yeah. them. It's on right? you. you if that I mean? meatloaf but, you know means I mean? that much to you, it's on you. But if it takes an extra five, ten minutes, go with the flow. Yes. Um, you know, and back to the whole positivity. My daughter, it's funny. She just is a freshman entering. She went from Penfield to, uh, you know, local uh, Portsmouth High School. Sure. And every kid, she's usually a very positive kid, but I've seen in her demeanor lately 
her shift and switch a little bit. So I walk around my house and at the doorway, it says, go with the flow. She's got little posters and reminders for herself. Go with the flow. Or, um, you know, you know, in the mirror, in the, in the guest bathroom, it says, um, life is good. Do what you love, love what you do. Mm-hmm. It, everything's going to be okay. So she's finding ways. So, you know, this is a way a kid is reaching out, obviously, but she's also maybe doing that for the rest of us. Cause you know, more than half of her family works in restaurants and she must hear us getting upset or uh, you know complaining or being down sometimes because of how things are going. And so you know, I think putting yourself little grateful reminders makes up all the difference. Putting yourself in someone else's shoes makes all the difference. Um, and recognize that many times re- customers are supporting you one because they have a need. Yes. But two, probably just as importantly, they feel you have a need. They're there for you to give you money and to take care of you as a small local business. And sometimes we forget that, right? I mean, we want to be grateful and say thank you and then recognize that, you know what? They have a lot of options and they happen this time to choose us. And they chose us because they like us or maybe it's from their perspective. They want what they want when they want it. But I'd say it's a 50-50 bet that not only do they want what they want, but they also want to help you. And so be mindful of that. I'd say this to all my restaurant friends and all my, 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 my fellow restaurateurs and, and staff members. We're on the front lines. I know it gets tough. I know it's difficult for us to keep that smile going. And even when we're smiling, what good does it do? You can't even see it through the, the, um, the mask. Just but know no, that we're smiling. Know that we're smiling and know that, you know what, we all are grateful and have to be grateful. Um, it's a long, hard road. I figure it's at least another six to nine months minimum. But we'll make it through. I assure you, we're a strong, resilient group of people, meaning the restaurant people. We'll get through this. Um, uh, but but we do need to be positive with each other uh, because otherwise we're doomed. It will just eat ourselves alive. It's it's just horrible. For <laughs> sure. And, and we don't need that because we have food to eat and food brings us together. Or at least, right. it, at least it can. Right. So, it should. Well, we needed to hear all of these words, Ted, and I'm so happy to uh, have you bring them to us. So, again, Well, you're kind. Thank you for thanks. giving me the platform and the opportunity, for sure. Well, I wouldn't do it if you didn't speak sense, so. <laughs> oh, you're kind. Thank there you. There you go. Can all you right. talk to my wife now? Can you just support, let her know that I make sense? <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. There are better halves for a reason. Yes, yes, there are. They keep us in line. All right, my friend, you take good care. Thank you. Take care. God bless, everybody. Bye-bye. I'm Tiffany Faison, and you're dining out with Bruce Newberry. El Tiger Mama. We're here in the Dave's Marketplace Broadcast Bistro, brought to you by Gaspar's, the Portuguese sausage that the whole world can enjoy. It's so versatile. I mean, we've been cooking out with it and grilling, as opposed to barbecuing. Grilling with gas bars all summer long. Well, now it's time to put gas bars through its paces in nachos, in lasagna, red beans and rice, sauce, pizza. Almost no end to the wonderful ways that gas bars makes whatever you're cooking so much better. Find it at all major supermarkets. For 97 years, Gaspar's the Portuguese sausage that the whole world can enjoy. Here in the Dave's Marketplace Broadcast Bistro, 
let us up your wine education and get you out of the intimidation. It's the Newport Mansions Wine and Food Festival that is taking place. It is taking place because it has to take place. And really, that's no less a description than what Trudy Cox, the executive director of the Preservation Society of Newport County, described on her radio program and podcast this week. We have lots of uh, wonderful things to share with our sommelier, Michael Marr, who's going to be doing a seminar on the region of Spain and the wines of Spain known as Rias. Baixas. Thanks for having me on the air this morning. Great pleasure. Um, uh, the fact that wine is a social beverage, um, you know, restaurants are this social uh, meeting place. The wine is probably with the, you know, with the, you know, the argument of tea, the most socially important beverage in the world. Um, and, you know, people drink it. There are religions that are set up either celebrating it or totally against it. Um, it's, it's hard to have no opinion on, on wine. And on alcoholic beverages and, and things like that. So it really intrigued me, um, both intellectually, professionally. Um, it allowed for my professional development. And, you know, with my background in academia, when I got into the wine industry and saw it, there was this, you know, master sommelier certification. I was never so arrogant as to think, oh, I'm going to go do that. <laughs> um, but it, but it, it was like, wow, I, sh- I want to go learn about that. I want to go um, become maybe half as knowledgeable as, the, as these people who are teaching these classes. Um, they were, you know, I, I saw them and like, wow, they, they know so much about this world of wine. And it was just fun for me. It was fun to drink. It was fun to have friends over and drink with them. And, you know, you open a bottle. It was always a special momentous occasion. Um, and it really allowed me to, to kind of just dive in and explore everything that's out there. And the best part about it is every vintage changes. So there's always more to learn. There's always something new to explore. There's always another region coming online. Um, and it's, you know, becoming a master sommelier has allowed me to really pursue a lot of my passions. And one of them has been certainly developed and that's learning about, um, and being able to travel to Rio Spicious, being able to enjoy this, you know, the wonderful Albarino grape, um, and, and learn the culture and a lot of how it actually ties in a lot to, I'm, you know, I'm part Irish. There's a big, strong Celtic influence in Galicia in, in Northwest Spain and it's the same kind of you know oceanic environment as you see in New England, very mm-hmm. strongly tied to, to to boating, to seafood, to that you know the aquatic lifestyle that we almost take for granted here in New England. Um, but it's the same kind of influence over there in in Rio Spicious in Northwest Spain, and it's just it ties in so well to our kind of our culture, our dining experiences, um, and so it's really been a fun region to explore more in depth. And now we get to bring it to to life for for everyone that's joining us at the um, at the Mansions uh, Wine and Food Festival coming up next. Uh, it, actually, next week. It's yeah, it's right. next week. Yeah. it is. <laughs> if I can uh, just uh, ask a questioner, why having said what you just said, why do we find wine so intimidating? And maybe uh, can you up our knowledge in a in a brief manner? Talking about this wonderful <laughs> area of Rio Sabaitis, give us a, a nice pairing with uh, that wonderful crisp Albarino, and tell us why it's so good. Yes, yeah, so one thing. Um, you know, and, and you mentioned wine is intimidating. What a lot of people are um, you know, not not necessarily afraid of it, but they they really kind of shy away from it because all the different languages. I mean, you have Spanish and French and German and Portuguese, and uh, I mean, there's so many terms. And you know, in, in order to read a label, you almost have to have you know fluency in, in a bunch of different languages. But the one of the great things about Rias Baixas is, for the most part, it's centered around one grape, and that is Albarino. And Albarino is 
Um, it's thought to be indigenous to this area. It was brought over in the 12th, the 12th century by monks that were walking uh, uh, the Camino de Santiago um, and basically mm. kind of dropped these grapes off. And so you have this grape that's found rarely um, throughout the rest of the world. So it really is a unique experience to drink some of these great Albarino wines from Rias Baixas. And the other great thing is not just about you know tasting place, but it's so well suited for food. This is one of the best, you know, kind of food pairing grapes um, you can kind of put out there because it's always very fresh, very crisp. Um, there's this great backbone of acidity in these wines, which when you think about when you're adding something to a dish uh, right before you serve it, one of the things you often do is squeeze a lemon um, over the top to brighten up the flavors, to bring in this acidity. Um, so when you have a wine that has this wonderful brightness and freshness to it, it's almost like the wine helps add some seasoning and complexity to the food. So it can go with a huge array um, of, of dishes, whether you want to start off with just oysters on the half shell, um, seared scallops with maybe some, some polenta or some roasted corn, because that's beautiful and in season right now. Um, we're, moving, you know, we're moving into autumn. And I know this is right before lunchtime for a lot of people, so I'm not going to be shy and, and kind of you know, make all this food sound delicious. You know, lunch is right around the corner. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we're going to get into a lot of, um, you know, kind of squashes and root vegetables. And with that earthiness, with a lot of those kind of you know, richer flavors, Albarino tends to dance a little bit more lightly. It tends to, again, brighten up some of these flavors, works well with exotic spices, you know, things like uh, cinnamon and clove and, and nutmeg and a lot of those warming spices we're going to get into in the autumn. You know, Albarino works beautifully with those because of that lightness, because you're going to have a lot of these flavors of things like orange and pineapple and lemon, um, you know, yellow and green apples. It's, it's just a wonderfully um, delicious, you know, you know, friendly wine to pair up with your foods. Nice. Um, you know, I mean, seafood of any sort. I mean, you want to throw lobster at it with its, with its sweetness and slight saltiness to it. Um, really delicate, you know, sole with, you know, maybe a, just a, a, you know, a caper and butter sauce. It's really hard to go wrong with Albarino. Um, and I'd be remiss to say that it's not great with, with you know, richer foods as well. You go over to Rias Baixas and jamon, um, you know, thinly mm -hmm. sliced ham is, I, it's so salty and just kind of melts on your tongue. Albarino is beautiful with that as well. So don't be shy and toss some, you know, maybe pork dishes or chicken. Um, you know, it's, it's really an all-rounder wine. Um, and it's, it's great to drink on its own if, if you want to be so bold and, you know, just have a glass or two without any food. It is a nice cocktail I, wine. I, Bruce, I think we now know why Michael Mars' seminar is sold out. Yes. He is <laughs> a poet. He has created these wonderful visual images. So, Michael, where, when you go over to that part of Spain, mm -hmm. uh, where do you center yourself? Where do you spend your time? Yeah, I, the, the major city in that area, um, you have Vigo. Um, which you know is where I usually uh, fly into through Madrid. Um, there's, I mean, the dining in this area. I mean, you know, Michelin star restaurants all the way to you know mom and pop you know seafood uh, kind of you know you know, you know restaurants. Um, little holes in the wall where you can just walk in and get a whole bunch of you know different tapas and small plates and you know octopus and razor clams and uh, I mean the dining scene in Vigo is 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 amazing. Um, so I, I think Vigo is a great place for those who want to. It's nothing is more than maybe an hour, hour and 15 minute drive away. So it's very easy to do some of the outer reaches of Rias Baixas and, and be based uh, in Vigo. So I think it's it's a really nice city, you know, you know, lovely accommodations. You're right on the ocean. There's a lot of 
culture that you can immerse yourself in. So I think Vigo is, is a great place for people to kind of get their feet wet in Rio Spicious. Bruce, I think that when uh, this COVID pandemic is over, we should ask Michael to host a tour of that area of Spain and invite us as his guests, don't you? Absolutely. It sounds like a Absolutely. great idea. We'll bring the entire <laughs> broadcast bistro over there and, and do the show from there. I love that what, idea. What, one of the things that I think, you know, as uh, Michael and, and Bruce both know, we really wanted to keep the Wine and Food Festival's brand going this year despite COVID. And we've done everything we can to make all of the sessions as healthy and safe as they can be. And I'm just thrilled that we've had so many high-quality people like Michael engage with us and be part of it. And the other thing that I think is important, uh, Bruce, is the fact that we have partnered with a number of local restaurants. Yes. And if you go to the Newport Mansions Wine and Food Festival website, you can uh, see a variety of different restaurants that are offering opportunities with wonderful, wonderful menus and you'll see the menu on the website and you can sign up and and help support the restaurant industry it's going to be a long hard winter so if you uh, care about this part of hospitality spend some little bit of money and go out with your husband or wife either for dinner or for lunch all the restaurants that we are partnered with are the best in Aquidneck Island they are truly the best we thank them very much for their offering to open up their doors and uh, have really good wines to accompany excellent menus. So please, everyone, make sure you look at the uh, website, and it's next weekend starting on Thursday, September 17th. Yes, it's going to be wonderful. Now, Michael Marr, where can we find out more about you, and where can we find you uh, when you're not among us here in Newport? Absolutely. So I actually, I live just up in Massachusetts uh, in a little town called Groton. It's wonderful. Um, and I have my own consulting company. It's sommelieronDemand.com, where I have uh, clients that range from couples who want to learn more about wine to uh, collectors who want to build out their cellar with, you know, kind of some smart investment wines or just stuff they want to lay down for their, you know, big you know, anniversaries or children's birthdays down the road. Um, all the way to national restaurant chains and suppliers. So education is my passion, and I'm you know, really fortunate that I can you know kind of bring good wine to to great people, and we can have some fun doing so. Well, let me tell you something. You gave us a graduate level education just in this little <laughs> trip to Ria Spicious uh, today. It was terrific, and we thank you very very much, and wish you all the best. Great to have you with us here at the Newport Mansions Wine and Food Festival. Food dude, Bruce Newberry. I had a chance to meet some ice cream scientists this week. This sounds like a fun job. I have on the line with me the ice cream scientists, Justin Labs and Anna Ingoglia. They are from Tillamook, and they are from Oregon, and they join me on the line. Good morning. Well, I guess it's morning to you guys. How are you? Good. How are you? Hello. Hello, good to have you with us. And we're going to talk about some ice cream recipes and why September is the perfect month for an ice cream cocktail. And uh, I just I just read this, uh, you guys. You'll like this. Feel free to use it. It's summer as long as you want it to be. <laughs> I like that. Right? 
And you guys are yep. right right in on it with the, these ice cream cocktail recipes like boozy milkshakes. Start us off with one. Let us taste something with our ears here. Yeah, well, uh, the the first one is an adult milkshake. Uh, it uh, stars our Tillamook Mudslide Premium Ice Cream, uh, about two scoops, um, a shot of uh, hazelnut liqueur, a shot of vodka, a splash of milk, uh, whip it up in a blender, um, and then you can garnish with uh, uh, grated nutmeg or cocoa or wh- whatever whatever you feel fits the bill. And then the cocktail that I dreamed up, I've named the Island Float because so many of us aren't able to escape to our beach vacation like we were planning to this year. So instead, enjoy this little tropical drink at home, which is muddled raspberries and pineapple at the bottom of the glass with a half a shot of a banana liqueur, a shot of rum topped with some ginger beer, and then a big scoop of our Tillamook Old Fashioned Vanilla Ice Cream. Dang. All right. We love you guys already. (laughs) And you know, if that's all that we had, these delicious ice cream cocktails, these boozy milkshakes, and you can make a mock if you want to, uh, what would you swap in to make these mock? Absolutely. Um, For the island float, you could simply just leave out the liquor um, and just have a nice ice cream soda. And about the same for the, the milkshake, or you could uh, sub in a little heavy cream if you want to really emphasize the dairy flavors, um, maple syrup, or, or any number of things. Nice. So if that's all we had, that would be great. But you guys actually have something else, and we want to raise one of these cocktails to some farmers who are in need. And by enjoying these things, we can actually support some farmers. Tell us how. Yeah, uh, partnership. Uh, Sorry, Tillamook, uh, who's a uh, former-owned uh, dairy co-op, has uh, started a partnership with the American Farmland Trust, uh, and with the All for Farmers campaign, uh, has committed 10% of uh, sales in September, uh, ice cream and, and all of our other products, up to $1.6 million uh, to uh, support those farmers who have been disparaged by uh, any number of the things that 2020 has thrown at them. And there's a number number of ways to get involved, too, beyond buying Tillamook products this month. You can also just inform yourself, learn more about American farmers and hear farmer stories at allforfarmers.com or tillamook.com. You can also thank a farmer on social. Be sure to add hashtag allforfarmers and hashtag sweepstakes for a chance to win Tillamook ice cream for an entire year. All right. So how did you guys get to be the ice cream scientists? Um, my route started uh, in the culinary arts. Um, and then uh, uh, at some point, uh, if I was going to continue my career um, in product development, I uh, found that I'd need to, to kind of master the STEM uh, field. So chemistry and physics, uh uh, biology, microbiology, those those all play a, a pretty important uh, role in my day-to-day. And then I took a more traditional route. I received a food science degree and a chemistry minor um, and then went immediately into um, the professional field and started work as a product development scientist. How nice. Boy, Justin, you're a STEM success story. That's great. Yeah, uh, and we, we love... Uh, uh, promoting those fields. 
Yeah, that's terrific. And Justin's actually the research and development manager at Tillamook, and it's Tillamook County Creamery Association. It's not unlike a few of the other co-ops that maybe will be within sound of our voice here. And Anna is a product development scientist at Tillamook. And Anna, I have to say, uh, I when I was in the coffee business many years ago, I worked for a company that did, in addition to coffee, the company did extracts. And it started out with making syrup out of coffee and uh, making the Rhode Island specialty coffee syrup and then branched off into other flavor syrups. And there were a whole bunch of experiments. And there was a product development scientist that uh, had his own little kind of laboratory there next to the coffee roasting plant. And I would love to go in there. He always had something new to try. And it, it was just great, great fun. So I love your job. Thanks, me too. I bet. So how do you develop these ice cream flavors? I mean, you take take a flavor like your vanilla, right? Your old-fashioned vanilla that, of course, is legendary. And I did spend some time in the ice cream biz as well, so I know a little bit about uh, legendary ice cream flavors. Do you take a flavor like that and just leave it alone, or do you try to tweak it? How do you, how do, you do that, and how do you develop new flavors? Um, Imagination is the limit, really. Um that's what's great about working for Tillamook. We have the values to do right by every bite. So we're always pushed to explore and um, find the best of the classic. But it really comes down to having a balance between, um, you know, doing something really complex and just, you know, putting as many swirls and cookies and brownies into the ice cream as you can versus <laughs> something simple and wonderful as vanilla. Sometimes you just don't mess with good. Yeah. Have you have you actually tried that? If you say, how can we improve on this? And then you just, after a while, you say, you know what? It's really not needing to be fixed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely. <laughs> that's terrific. Uh, that's great. Now, how did you come up with these recipes that you uh, described to us today? These uh, really nice adult milkshakes. Yeah, these ones um, were just, fun to make. Uh, you know, we have amazing building blocks to start with. Our ice cream is a premium ice cream, so it's so rich and creamy. Um, the Island Float was inspired by an old ice cream shop, uh, ice cream soda float. And then the Boozy Milkshake, honestly, is who hasn't added a little right? uh, liquor or a shot or two to their milkshake sometimes. <laughs> Every once in a while, you bet. All in moderation. Well, uh, so much fun talking to you guys, Justin Lobbs and Anna Ingolia from Tillamook. Now, how can we support our farmers and how can we make sure that we're doing the right thing for our dairy farmers? Uh, well, uh, shopping and buying Tillamook products is, is number one. Uh, if you don't know where to find those, you can uh, go to tillamook.com and utilize our uh, Tilla map uh, section on there, and you can find retailers that uh, have um, the, any any number of our products. Terrific. Uh, and then and then you can visit allforfarmers.com to learn more about farmers in your area and farmers throughout the country. And then again, you can thank a farmer on social and use that chance to enter our sweepstakes by hashtag allforfarmers and hashtag sweepstakes. Sounds good. Well, it's been so much fun talking and making some milkshakes with you guys. And thanks very much for being with us today. All the best to you. Yeah, thank thanks. you. You, you too. too.
Terrific. And that is a taste of what is going on on a dairy farm, not near you, but hey, it could be near you as well. Mm-hmm.